please turn in your New Testaments to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 8. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 8, as we continue in our series, Living Between the Now and Not Yet. And isn't it an amazing thing to be able to say every week, this is God's Word. God spoke this to us. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in the darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the light, of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Preparing for an interruption. Now that, that kind of sounds contradictory, doesn't it? I mean, an interruption, uh, kind of by definition, has the element of surprise. You're, you're doing something and then you are, you are interrupted. So, um, how can you prepare for an interruption? My father was an Air Force pilot uh, back in the 1960s for the first nine years of my life. And for four of those years, we were stationed in a, in a place called Little Rock Air Force Base uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And my dad was selected to fly a very rare aircraft. They didn't make a whole lot of these. It was called the B-58 Hustler. It was a nuclear strike bomber, a supersonic nuclear strike bomber. If you've ever seen the movie Failsafe with Henry Fonda uh, and the, the bombers that are heading toward Russia with nuclear weapons, well, that's, that's what it was. Uh, the, the Cold War of the 1960s was in full swing. There were a lot of things in full swing in the 1960s. And uh, you just kind of had this, this feeling in the back of your mind during the 60s. You never knew when atomic war might be touched off. And so my dad, being a pilot, would have to leave our house for a week or so, sometimes more, at a time to, to go to the base and be on what, what was called alert he was on alert. And there was, I don't remember what it was, but there was some rotation about who was at the base. But the, but the point is, you were on alert and uh, you were ready at a moment's notice to scramble to those nuclear strike bombers, get in, close the cockpit, and head to Russia to destroy large population areas of that country. I mean, this, this, this was a very dangerous game that was going on. It was a way of being prepared 
for an interruption called nuclear war. Now, there are lots of other ways we could describe this. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like the, the mild panic among Bible-believing Christians right at the close of 1999. For those of you who remember this, uh, some of you may have been, you know, very tiny at that time, but they called it Y2K. It was, it was when the new millennium was going to come in. And, and why were people panicked about Y2K? Well, it was fabled. It turned out to be a fable that uh, the computers were all going to go down and, and then the grid was going to go down and society was going to go down. And, um, man, there were people who say they put their trust in Jesus who had ammunition ready, you know, like pillbox, you know, a machine gun at the uh, with sandbags. No, it wasn't quite that bad. But um, beans for months, you know, uh, all of this stuff and... Uh, I never bought into that, uh, but I tell you, I was, I will admit, I was glad when my light stayed on after midnight uh, in the first moments of the new millennium. Oh, yes, you can be prepared for an interruption. Our text says that the ultimate interruption is coming. This event will be the beginning of the end of the world as we know it. It will be. And the beginning of a new one that we can't hardly even dream adequately about. It will be a great moment for those who have put their trust in what Jesus has done for us sinners before a holy God. You know, we who who can't change ourselves to be compatible with utter holiness. So God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. This is why Jesus died on the cross. So that we could be acceptable to a holy God. And, and God put our sins, 100% of our sins on Him. And they are paid for by Him. There is therefore now no judgment, no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, and if you have put your trust in Christ, if Christ's blood, if you will, covers over your sins before God, this ultimate interruption will be a great event for you. If you have not put your trust in Jesus, this will be a terrifying and devastating event for you. One minute. It's going to be business as usual. And in the next minute, the ultimate interruption. Let, let me read to you just some scriptures about this so you can get a feel for what this will be like. And I want to begin with Jesus' words in Matthew 24, 30 and 31. At the end, excuse me, at that time, the, sun, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations on the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Boom! Sudden trumpet call. Christ appearing. 
And, and last week we, we kind of looked at that probably most famous passage of all about the second coming. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who remain will also be caught up with Him in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. And this will lead to the judgment. And finally, to a new heaven and a new earth of perpetual love, grace, peace, joy for God's people. We talked a lot about what that was last week. These messages are online. If you're visiting and you'd like to hear more about what, then uh, go back this week. Click on our website and you can listen to it. This morning, we need to answer the question, when? When? When will Christ return? When will He crack open the sky? When when will we be caught up with Him in the air? And you know, there are several scriptures that, that describe the conditions and describe what that looks like. Events that give clues to this. Matthew 26, Jesus said in verse 6, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed, for such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation. Kingdom will rise up against kingdom. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. And the sudden interruption. Jesus in Mark thirteen twenty one said at that time, If anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. Or, look, there He is. Do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear. And they will even perform miraculous signs and wonders to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. In Matthew 24, verse 14, the words of Christ And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. So, in our text, in 1 Thessalonians 5, basically Paul says this about when. It will be a surprise, and it will not be a surprise. That's what he says. It will be a surprise, and it will not be a surprise. First he says that it will be a surprise. Verse 1, now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. A surprise. There are two images of surprise here. The first is a thief in the night. You ever been robbed? I'd love to do a survey here. How many of you have ever been robbed? Well, that's not as many as I thought. Well, I have. 
And I, it was the most one of the most violating things I have ever experienced. You come home and there's matches all over the carpet. This is what people at night, you know, striking matches, looking at what they're going to take, don't want to turn the lights on and be caught. There's hundreds of matches, burned matches on my carpet, and there's no stereo, there's no this, there's no that. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. This was never supposed to happen to me. I mean, I know this happens to people, but boom, when, you, when I did not expect it, a thief broke in. Jesus here is cast as a, not a, like a criminal, but like a glorious intruder. His coming will be a surprise like a thief comes in, like a thief in the night, breaking into a world of unbelief in Him. I read to you Jesus' words from Matthew 24, beginning with verse 37. He is comparing his coming to the flood of Noah. That's, one, that, that, that's an event of, as we say, biblical proportions. Jesus' words. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is Jesus speaking. That is how it will be. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One of them will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the hand mill. One of them will be taken and the other will be left. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, then he would have kept watch for the thief and and could have kept his house from being broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. I find this very interesting as well as dramatic. Do you? The next image is a surprise. First is the thief in the night. The next one is when labor pain seize upon a woman and the process of giving birth is, is initiated. Verse 3 of our text, of First Thessalonians 5, 3. He will come like a thief in the night. And then it says, verse 3, while people are saying, there is peace, there is security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them just like labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. It's the word of the Lord. You know, uh, when, the, when the time was very near for Gina to give birth to our first child, you know, we, we didn't know what this was about, you know, and we were told, you know, some things. And this is before cell phones, by the way. And so we were walking around the block in our neighborhood, taking a long walk, and, and, and Gina said, you know, I don't, I don't feel too well. And about 11 minutes later, Gina said, I don't feel too well. And I said, do you think, um, 
You think you're, honey, do you think you're having contractions? No, I just don't think I'm feeling well. I said, why do you not feel well every 11 minutes? <laughs> During our walk, Sarah Caitlin was coming. And it was contractions. And we, you can imagine, we mended our pace. Because we didn't have a cell phone to call the doctor right there and then saying, we're coming. We mended our pace to, to get back and call the doctor and say, we're coming. We were suddenly thrust into a whole new world. Once that starts... I mean, I guess you can retard it through uh, drugs for a while, but uh, once that starts, it's going to finish. And uh, Buddy did it start, and uh, Sarah Caitlin came into the world. Um, the surprise, the suddenness of Christ's return, once it starts, you can't stop it. Once it starts, that's it. It will roll to completion. It will roll through the judgment. It just will. I can't, I can't put a smiley face on this. Unless you know Jesus, then there's a big smiley face on this. Because not only the judgment, but then the new heavens and the new earth. It's beautiful in that sense. Did you hear these words while people were saying peace? And there is security? I mean, you know, it's kind of what you hear in, in the culture today. Oh, I'm okay. I don't need to worry about anything. I'm a fine person. My religion's good enough. I'm just fine, fine, fine. By the way, I decide who God is. I decide how I connect with God. I decide what a relationship with God looks like. And, and you know, I just don't know why any of this talk about the judgment is even necessary. Look around you. Does it feel dangerous? I mean, these are some of the same thought patterns that in the more pronounced version of this, where people like go online and say, you know, I got out on my front step and I cursed God as loud as I could, and He didn't strike me with lightning. Well, let me tell you something. Presuming on God's grace is not proof that He's, that he's not there. Cursing God just to show people that God's not there is proof scripturally that God is merciful. Peace, peace, security. Sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. You hear these words? They, they will not escape. So the first thing is that, that this will be a terrifying, total surprise to those who do not believe. So it will be a surprise. But secondly, Paul says it will not be a surprise. Verse 1, let's read it again of First Thessalonians 5. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers... You have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are already aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It's important to note that the difference between people who do not believe in Christ and the utter surprise, and now it is contrasted people who do believe in Christ, who have been taught the Word of God. We may not know the exact hour and time, but we are not surprised when Christ returns. Why are we not surprised? Because we've been anticipating His return. We've been longing for His return. This will not be a surprise. 
the exact time, the exact day and hour, notwithstanding. If, you, if you're a believer, you, you need to know this is imminent. You need to know that this will happen at the precise moment of God's choosing. We are to live, if you will, on alert. Remember the alert illustration? (laughs) We are to live on alert. Folks, you realize Christ could return today. There's nothing in the Bible that says Christ won't return today. We are living now, right now, in the balance of remaining time. And that balance of remaining time could very well be short. We are living in the last days. Between the last Christ event, which was the ascension and the, sending of, and the sitting of Christ and the sending of the Holy Spirit, and then the return of Christ. These are the last days. We have been living in the last days for quite some time. And time has moved on and on. Multiplied millions will be totally surprised. Believers in Christ may be surprised by the exact timing, but not surprised when it happens. And we know that it is coming, and possibly very soon. We live on alert. Verse 7, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. So it will be a surprise, Paul says, like a thief in the night like labor pains, but it won't be a surprise. We don't even need to write to you, really. You, you know this is going to happen. But finally, how do we live on alert? How do we live on alert? Paul says that we live in anticipation, and we are to live now as children of light. And next week we're going to look at Uh, verses 8 through 11, and we're going to talk about what it means to live as children of light uh, more deeply, and it's a beautiful, beautiful passage. But let me just kind of give you two ends of the spectrum on this. Maybe you could identify where you might be, and this could be a a wonderful way of, of, of aligning with the Scriptures and a real encouragement to your soul and a motivation toward Christian living and ministry all at the same time. Some people just don't seem to get it or they don't want to get it that we're in the last days. They don't want to think about Jesus returning. I, you know, they, they, or they just don't think about it. And, and they live disconnected from the great hope of the new heavens and the new earth. There's not a sense of anticipation. They're not on tiptoes, as it were, waiting, leaning forward. Uh, sometimes they see the world and they are very discouraged. They say this fallen world is just going to hell in a handbasket. Look at the culture. Look at this. Look at the families. Look at the children. Look at the, look at the, look at the. And, and, and they have neglected our assurance of complete victory of the Son of God. 
We've read the end of this book, folks. We know how this ends, which is a new beginning. And that is an imbalanced way to live. I don't, you know, I'm just, whatever's happening is happening. And, you know, I hope God can do something with, with, with the culture and all this. And we don't even realize the sec- of the second coming. And we, and we don't have that sense of anticipation. That's one end of the spectrum. And, and then there are some who are so much about the second coming of Christ that they tend to neglect the current implications of the first coming of Christ. That's what Charles Spurgeon said about a group of people who are always, always, always about the second coming. They said, you know, he said, you know, they would really do well to actually remember the first coming and, and what Christ did, what Christ said. Remember what Christ said in the first coming? The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is unfolding now. It is unstoppable now in a fallen world, in time and space. And this is what it looks like toward the new Jerusalem. It is, it is so exciting to know that Christ is king now. Christ's gospel is the power of God unto salvation now. We get to live in this grace by the power of the Holy Spirit as His adopted children in the wonder of being made in His image and reconnected through the cross to purpose, to security, to peace, and to love. Y'all, we get that now. We're just not waiting like a hitchhiker, waiting for this thing to happen. No, we are to live on alert. Not just be on alert. Really live on alert. And why is it that, that, that the folks that are so focused on the second coming and not the first coming, why is that? Well, of course, it's because all this is, all this is going to be over soon anyway. Well, let me tell you, if you're one of those folks, you don't know how soon. You just don't know. Could be today, could be today from tomorrow, could be 10 years from now, could be 20 years from now, and oh, heresy, could be 100 years from now, and that would have been heresy to that group of people 100 years ago. And I hope that this correction does not take away one ounce of the non-surprise of His coming. Yes, He's coming. We are in the last days. It is going to happen. might happen today. Put it all together. We need to... Jesus is coming. God is going to win decisively. We need to live on alert. But we need to live well now while we anticipate the return of the Son of God. We must live in anticipation investing in people's lives now. Investing in the church in God's people, investing in this thing called the Great Commission that is not suspended by the Second Coming. You've got people that never think about the Second Coming, and some of them just wonder if God can do anything in this world, and they've lost that hope. And we've got people who think all about the Second Coming and lose that sense of investment, giving it all now. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
Paul says in verse 11 in our text, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are now doing. As we get into verses 8 through 11 next week, what you'll see is, is in light of the second coming, it's all about living now with King Jesus, living well as his disciple. The book of Revelation was written certainly to show us many things about the second coming of Jesus. That's what it's known for, right? Other books also, and portions of other books, are known for that, and it should be. But do you know why that book was written? It wasn't just written to give answers. That book was written as a pastoral book to give strength and encouragement to people actually being persecuted and going through very difficult things in a fallen world. In other words, that book was to strengthen the actual lives of those people right there and then to grab that great hope, to to have that assurance of victory, to be able to live toward what is certain, you see. It is designed to help us live well in the victorious gospel now. The last two verses of the Bible read, if you want to turn there, it's Revelation 22, 20, and 21. It's kind of cool. We're going to like look at the last two verses. And know what you're going to see? You're going to see the wonderful balance, Scripture with Scripture, that Paul has brought to us in 1 Thessalonians 5. The last two verses, the first of the last two verses focuses on the future victory. And the second one focuses on present tense in light of the future victory. Okay, so here is the second to the last verse in the entire Bible. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Get that? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. He who testifies to these things says, Surely, truly, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's about the future and the great hope. Come, Lord Jesus means we want that to happen. And then the last verse. Have you ever read the last verse of the Bible? Verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. So live it now in light of all that will be and soon, whatever soon is. Live on alert. Be encouraged. Anticipate His glorious second coming. See that Jesus will triumph. Wrongs will be righted. We will be gathered. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. But while you anticipate, be all here. Live well, on alert, worshiping Jesus with your lives as well as your words. Serving the King. Finally, as we move to the Lord's table this morning, do you know why Jesus made sure that we got this table? Remember, he took the Passover and he gave us this instead. He kind of hijacked the Passover, turned the bread 
This is my body. It is for you. Turn the cup of redemption. This is my blood. It is for you. Why did Jesus give us this? I mean, we've got the scriptures that help us understand what the cross is. We've got the scriptures that help us remember the cross. I'll tell you why Jesus gave us the supper. He knows that we are weak. He knows that we need to be reminded now, regularly, of His amazing grace and His presence because of the life that He has given through the cross and the life that has come through the empty tomb. You see... The Lord's Supper is remembering we commune, we participate with Christ now. We bring our hearts to Him. We bring our broken hearts to Him. We bring our sins to Him. We bring our joys to Him. Christ is walking amidst the candlesticks of His churches this morning. Christ is here spiritually. And you see what Christ wants to do in this supper is He wants to strengthen you now. By being with you in a covenant meal. Being with His people now. Isn't that beautiful? But let me read the words of institution that we'll read again in a moment. And and highlight just one verse that shows you this balance as well. Paul said, For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had blessed it, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Here it is. You ready? I don't know if you've ever seen this. We read it every month. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, here it is, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Did you catch that? Until He comes. Jesus Himself wants us to have that anticipation. As we in real time Commune with Him to be strengthened to live out His will through His grace right now on this earth. Let's go to the table. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for the second coming. We, we kind of feel mixed feelings about it sometimes. We're glad on the one hand because if we put our trust in Christ, we know that it is toward the new heavens and the new earth. But we also uh, are concerned, we we know people that have yet to understand that a holy God cannot be assuaged and His judgment cannot be turned away by human effort. If you've never put your trust in Christ and you see that Christ did it all for you because you couldn't do it yourself and you'd like to, then pray with me, Lord, I see it. I can't believe it. I see it. And I want to turn from everything that I've called religion. I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity and and turn from my own sins and my own righteous efforts and put my trust, Jesus, solely in what you have done for me on the cross. Thank you that even now you have come into my life.
Thank you that even now you have forgiven me of my sins. Even now I am yours. Lead me to be a true follower, disciple. Lead me to fulfill your will right now in the midst of your people and on this earth. And Lord, we pray that as we are living in the balance of that time, that we would not only be filled with anticipation and joy, but we would be motivated to share not a word from us, but the good news of what has happened. It is finished. And Lord, as we go to the supper today, help us to remember. Help us to commune in real time with you, risen Christ, spiritually. But help us also to have one eye toward your glorious return. Would you, Jesus, strengthen and encourage your people through the communion? We pray in his holy name. Amen.